I was thinking about the five major reasons why I would want to pursue my own um, innovative business idea as the founder of the business. And um, while I was thinking of that, I was conflicted by the reasons why I should just chill at my current job role and pursue innovations and creativity, which for some reason he already allows me to do. So why should I, you know, leave what I'm, I have going on here where I can innovate and pursue those ideas even within an established organization that was not necessarily founded by me? Why should I leave that and take the risk of running my own business um, in an area that I'm passionate about? So then it, it, it struck me, if, you know, any kind of innovation and creativity is essentially my goal and what I'm looking for, why can't I do it while getting paid by someone else? And why can't I get paid to innovate and build someone else's dream? I don't have a problem with that if that was my goal. And if that goal was just to create, reinvent, produce, and build stuff within, you know, the confines that I'm allowed to. If that's my dream, and if that's my goal, I don't have a problem doing that. But why would I do the alternative and take the risk? So, that led me to thinking and having something to discuss with us in this episode um, today. That's basically the old rant that is leading to what we're discussing today. And by the way, if you are not already aware, my name is Dayton and this is Wits & Co, which is a show about leading successful careers and making your work life enjoyable so that your entire life can be fulfilling. So like we normally say on the show, we help you not just to survive through your everyday work life, but actually thrive through the most important years of your life, which is basically your career years put things in perspective you know how many years do you spend in a career making career decisions and those are the bulk of the years of your life so helping you to thrive to those years successfully um today i'll be introducing what i have titled here as the founder balance you know we'll go through a couple of funny titles but as long as you get your idea and the point around it so in this episode will try to draw a line between, you know, founding your own business and working within an organization that is not owned by you. You know, what is the differences between both? At what point does it make a huge impact? Or at what point does it make a difference in what you are trying to achieve within, you know, both contexts? Um, that's basically what we'll be talking about this episode. So listen on and follow along the discussion. Um, there will be opportunities to drop your comments and your feedback on this episode. So look out for that. and work styles keep evolving and have gotten really interesting these days. I mean, sometimes you meet people and without even asking questions, what comes to your mind first is, what pays this person's bills? And at times, you get to speak with them and you don't even get a clear understanding of what is it exactly they do. Because, you know, work has evolved from the conventional and the traditional understanding of career as it were you know, some 20, 30, 40 years ago. And um, another thing is also that the workplace is comprised of multiple generations now where, 
you know, different people want different things, um, you know, because they are in different points of their lives. And it can actually be quite challenging for organization leaders to, you know, bring teams together in accomplishing the shared goals. Now, the differences is not necessarily in terms of demography. At times, these differences come from, you know, our backgrounds and our understanding as humans and as individuals, which basically, you know, frame the picture of what we want from life. So organization leaders have that challenge of bridging the gap, you know, to bring multiple people together to achieve, you know, a shared objective, right? But then an understanding of these various um, motives, I would call it, of different people um, relating to their generation or their demography or just their personalities, you know, helps organization leaders to actually properly motivate and incentivize people. Now, this is still within the context of, you know, people working within an organization where there is a leader. You may be the organization leader in this context, which is driving the vision and, you know, the core objectives of the organization that you set. Or you may be a team member belonging to an organization where you have objectives to meet. Now, um, but then the focus will also be thinking uh, about how we make decisions on when to run your own business and how to transition when that may happen for you. Um, So historically, there are a couple of things that we know, right? Um, Career choices were usually inspired by older parents, you know, who were traditionalists in their beliefs, and then they were firm believers of the all, you know, a honest day's pay for a honest day's work. You know, that mindset, that was what we knew from older parents, you know, parents in their 70s and 80s now. Um, Those parents were probably lawyers and doctors, and some of them civil servants, and, you know, their children also aspired for this kind of career goals, you know, as well. You know, there was some form of security with doing those kind of jobs and studying those kind of courses in school. And those things made those parents really, really proud. And, you know, their children aspired for this. Um, in those, you know, generation or in that context, people were extremely loyal to their jobs and, Employers were really respected for their loyalty to their jobs. That's why you find people, you know, who have worked in places for 20, 30 years and, you know, they are fine with it and they get respected even for the number of years that they've committed into those um, jobs. And in turn, they also value job titles and, you know, some money in order to keep their family together in one piece. Um, So this evolved and built our younger parents' generation, probably parents in their, you know, 50s and 60s now, who valued more work. And they also wanted to be motivated through, you know, more responsibilities. So with this in mind, um, entrepreneurship, you know, in the, I'll use that word loosely, was somewhat frowned at as a primary source of income, right? Then you would not necessarily walk up to your parents and say, hey, I have a business and I'm quitting my job and that's supposed to pay for my, you know, pay my bills. And they'll be like, yay. No, that wasn't the case. It wasn't really encouraged. And um, also significant to notice that, you know, then, you know, when you're not running your own business, it was called, you know, a nine to five because it's expected you go to work at nine and by five you are closed for the day, whether the job is done or not. But then the alternative was then entrepreneurship where, you know, you're preneuring the idea and it wasn't like a nine to five scenario. 
So that was what it was like then. And then, of course, the traditional sense of a nine to five was you get to work, you know what you need to do, you do the job. If there's nothing to be done, well, you chill and then, well, there's nothing to be done. And at the end of the month, you get paid your remuneration according to your contract agreement. Whereas entrepreneurship is more of a okay, I have this idea, I need to put this idea in place, I need to make money from it, I hire people, and then I, I'm the one that, you know, pay people to get the job done. That was the difference between the two then, using the word entrepreneurship and 9 to 5. So that was what was obtainable then. Now, there is a difference. And um, the difference where, you know, I will start from the 9 to 5 and entrepreneurship context is that... Um, now, we, we've, we've come to realize that it's not necessarily a 9 to 5 versus entrepreneurship scenario, right? Because to start with, um, it's not necessarily valid if you are calling, you know, a job where you get paid a 9 to 5 when you're not necessarily working 9 to 5. Hey, you, you could be working, you know, 6 a.m. to 12 midnight in some cases. You could be working round the clock. And of course, where you're not, it's a, it's a blue collar job and it's not in the traditional 9 to 5 sense. You could be working shifts, which is not within the 9 to 5 time window. So also because if you're an entrepreneur, it depends on how well you structure or manage your time or what level of business you're in. You could actually be working 9 to 5 and outside of your 9 to 5, you could be doing something else that you know you're interested in. So the old nine to five scenario does not necessarily differentiate where you run your business or where you are running your business because you know we the game has changed and you can barely tell the difference between the two by the number of hours clocked in. And um, secondly, um, you can barely tell the difference whether you are you know preneuring anything or not. Reason being that in some paid employment or in some cases where you are not the business owner you actually run some form of entrepreneurship within the context of the organization, right? Meaning that you are allowed to innovate, you are allowed to create, you are allowed to fund things, you are allowed to build things. We see situations like that with Google, where even it's part of the organization's you know, policy to ensure that staff commit about 20% of their time into building their own innovative ideas, meaning 20% of their work hours into building their own ideas. And those ideas could be something that Google would invest in. So in that case, you could actually be working, and then in that context, you are building a business. You are building something. You are working on something that you are passionate about. Um, so again, the all you're building or preneuring something, let me use that word, does not necessarily also differentiate between the two because I could be getting paid, and in the context of that contract, I am then building an idea if my organization supports it. So that's it. It also depends on your career path as well. You know, some career paths are actually inherently, you know, made to have innovation and creativity and entrepreneurship as part of it, even though you are getting paid to do that job, right? So we found situations where people hire CEOs. We found situations where people hire product managers, VP of products, and the basic responsibility assigned to that job role is to create, is to build, is to scale up an idea. So in that case, you're also getting paid. It's not your business, but then you're creating something, right? So that's another way. It depends on the career path. You are allowed to then, you know, be flexible with creativity um, within the context of what the organization allows you to do, right? In most cases, the control is then to ensure that, okay, whatever it is they are building is something that the organization is aware of, it ultimately contributes to the organization's goals and objectives. And you're not necessarily in a healthcare organization and you say you want to pre something in e-commerce. Like, you might as well do that outside of the 
you know, organizations context. But then those controls are in place to make sure that you can create, you can be flexible, but then you need to do it in line with what um, the organizations have put in place as their objectives and their goals. Um, so then business owners, I ask smart people, sell the vision to them and then allow them to innovate and create, you know, every other thing in between that leads to the fulfillment of that vision with the controls in place. Um, so now looking at it then, maybe calling it a nine to five as well as an entrepreneurship situation is not necessarily the right word to you. We've come to realize that now. And, um, you know, both have their own perks and benefits and both have their own disadvantages as well. So let's say we call it founding your business and not founding your business because that's the ultimate difference between both. Um, so now again, entrepreneurship in that traditional sense of the word is now seen as a more acceptable and recognizable source of income and livelihood. You get parents these days that when their children come up and say, hey, dad, I have this idea, hey, mom, I have this idea. And the parents, you know, cheer them on. And probably even I've seen situations where, you know, children run their own ideas or people run their own ideas. Even before they start being profitable, parents still support them financially and say, oh, this is the ult- the ultimate goal is for you to be able to at least survive enough to run your business. So it's more encouraged now. Um, you have situations where students graduate from the university and their parents allow them to have a year or two to figure out what you want to do with your life, not necessarily because you studied X, Y, Z. Just figure out what you want to do with your life. I'll still contribute and support you. And then you can decide on what you would want to do if you want to take up a paid employment or you want to run your own business. So we have situations like that. Even where they don't get the support, people by their own choice decide to take some time off, you know, work or before they start working. And build on something when they can, you know, accommodate that risk. So those are things that happen now with entrepreneurship. Um, so there's a lot more respect for people that are running their own businesses as well. Let me use the word respect in terms of traditionally, you know, people see you as, oh, the one that is committing the time to it, the one that has nothing to fall back on, and the one that has the higher risk, you know, to mitigate or the one that's taking the IRA. So there's a bit more respect for them because, you know, let's face it, you're the entire, you're the old risk taker. And um, you do that on your own accord, on your own business. Whether it fails, whatever it succeeds, it's your business. Okay. But then there's a downside now, which is also beginning to happen now. With that in place, as more respect is accorded to entrepreneurs and founders of businesses, we also notice that people glamorize um, you know, founding your business, right? Why I say people glamorize is um, it looks as if people automatically, you know, um, believe that the fact that you are founding your business, it translates to a better life and a better career out- outcome. Again, I'm using the word career loosely because um, the word better loosely because better could actually mean different things to different people, right? So there's a traditional sense of belief that, um the fact that my name is on the door, well, I'm a lot better. I'm farther ahead of you in life. I stand the chance of, you know, getting things done better and faster. So as long as my name is on the door and as long as my name is on the papers, well, you're getting paid and you're doing something else for building someone else's dream. So I'm way better than you. So whether the business is profitable or successful or not, we've come to glamorize entrepreneurship and the pain that goes into it as if that's all that matters and that's a huge mistake i think we're making in our generation um 
before I proceed into the other you know, downsides and the other misconceptions that we have about funding your business and not funding your business in this day and age, um, let's take a couple of minutes for a break and then we'll come back to it. Welcome back. Um, so leading from the previous points, there was this saying making rounds on social media a couple of weeks back and it goes like this your salary is the price they pay you to forget about your dreams something like that or something in that line of thoughts um and of course a lot of people came up and had opinions and said different things and you know had their say on you know that quote in terms of how true it is or how untrue it is and of course i have my opinion and i would say it depends on what side of the spectrum you are and you know how extreme you think you know in terms of when to fulfill your dreams or not so this is what i'm saying so i don't necessarily think your salary is the price they pay you to forget your dream but then i believe your salary could look like what they pay you or what you're being paid to forget about your dreams i don't necessarily think that there is any value that can be put on the cost of your dreams that is worth, you know, forgetting about it. You know, unless you've decided on your own that it's not worth pursuing and that's not necessarily because of your salary. I also think that it's still in the same vein or the same line of glamorizing entrepreneurship as if, you know, as long as you pursue your entrepreneurial idea or your business uh, innovative idea, that's the most important thing. Every other thing that ma- that happens afterwards or within it is irrelevant as long as you're the business owner so i believe your salary could look like what you're being paid to care about your dream because it means that you know you could you could leave your dreams a little later if you have um, paid employment where you have to you know work and deliver and stuff it means you could leave your dreams a little bit later it doesn't mean that is bad it just means that is that it could take you a while longer to fulfill your dreams if you have to get paid before that. But then it also means that you could get a lot of things in the process of getting paid your salary that would propel your dream that you can leverage on to fulfill your dreams um, faster. Meaning that even if you get it done later, you could leverage on so many things that could skyrocket your your potential and your skill and get you to where you want to be eventually. So it's not, it's not a, you know, binary of if you do this, then you cannot get that. It's not necessarily a binary. It's as much as how you take advantage of the opportunities that come your way, irrespective of whether you're, you know, in a paid employment or irrespective of whether you're the business owner, whatever opportunities you have, whatever decisions you make, how best you make use of those opportunities and how best you make those decisions is what ultimately matters as long as you keep, you keep your goals in sight. Um, so, yeah, I think that rounds off the point about glamorizing entrepreneurship and, you know, side-eyeing or shading, you know, people that are in paid employment when they are not the business owners. Like, I don't really see the need for it. I think every man's journey is different. Everybody's path is different. I respect everybody's also, whatever it is they're doing, because guess what? You're not in it and you don't understand what is going on in there and it is not your dream. So, you know, face your dream. Yeah. So that's that. Um, still similar to that point too. Um, having a job where you're paid, um, where you're not the business owner can, can give a false sense of security 
in some cases and it, may, it, it can also not give a sense of security so let me put it this way it can give a false sense of security where you know well whatever i do i get paid at the end of the day and um even if it's an organization where corporate governance is very firm it means that um worst case scenario i'll be on a performance uh, improvement plan for about three months before I figure out my way and get out of here. So it gives you a false sense of security that, okay, at least I have something to fall back on. You know, I can't just get chopped out of a system and get paid. But then it may also give a false sense of security where, you know, you're working in a place where maybe corporate governance is not in place. And, you know, if the business is not profitable well, you may not have a reason to be at that organization. If, you know, technology evolves and your job role gets replaced, then there is no need to have you there anymore. And it won't be a merciful process in many instances, like your services are no longer needed, your services are no longer needed. So it can swing both ways as well. Being a paid employment where you're not the business owner can give you a false sense of security. And it could also not give you a sense of security, meaning that I could be out of here mercilessly at any point in time. It depends on where you're working. It depends on what is you know at play in your place of organization. Um, the next thing I would like to touch on is how, you know, technology has made it a bit easier for you to build your own thing and, you know, fully or part-time as you're working, right? We have, um, you know, platforms like Upwork, platforms like Fiverr, you know, where skills are on demand. So many skills are on demand. And then this platform makes it possible for the demand and supply of those skills to meet and transact. So you don't necessarily have to establish the whole, you know, cycle of marketing, the whole cycle of sales. As long as you have a skill, as long as you have an idea, what you need to do is put your idea on these platforms and then the demand and supply comes to play there. So it means that if you have an idea, if you're creative, if you are entrepreneurial, I want to run your own business, then it makes it a lot easier because they cater for the sales and marketing part of this. All you need to do is have your skills, have your pricing in place, and have every have the time to get the job done. And then you technically can get the job done. Now, the extent of how creative you can get with that is also a bit you know, questionable, meaning that you can only provide services in the context of what a user wants, right? It's not also a 100%. You go to town and build whatever you think the whole world needs it has to be a supply and demand situation you know in place there so they make it easier for you to actually have um you know have your cake and eat your cake and have it um also the the internet boom and exposure that we are experiencing now is also very significant to people getting a better understanding of the problems they can solve right the world is a global village you know you can literally sit in the comfort of your home and deliver services globally and solve a problem for Asians and solve a problem for Africans. I mean, Facebook solved the problem, right? And we are consuming that product here in Africa. Um, Google is solving a problem and it's being consumed globally. They don't necessarily have need to have a brick and mortar office. As long as your idea is sellable and there's a demand for that idea, you can literally sit in the comfort of your home and boom, you're in business. So it makes it a bit easier as well. And then, of course, you know, you you don't have to then think of the whole um, capital of setting up a physical office, setting up a sales team, setting up everything can be done online now. And it reduces the cost of 
you know, the initial capital and set up costs for your own business hugely. Like you could literally be chilling and people wonder what you're doing, which begs the question when I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode that you see some people and you wonder, what does this guy do for a living? When he explains to you, you really don't even get it. And you're like, well, like, you know, that's what the world is right now. And you're not going to question anybody's um, hustle. So ultimately, you have the freedom, you know, to make the important business decisions when you own the business, right? Which is true. We are not taking that away. But then the outcome of those decisions are what's important to how the business survive. And that's what matters. Forget what anybody thinks about, oh, I'm the CEO, I'm the owner. And forget what anybody thinks about, oh, what are you doing? You're getting paid. The most important thing is the various choices and the decisions you make along the line. And what is important to you as a person? What are your goals? Some people's goals are actually to contribute their quota in developing other organizations. Well, as long as that's what the person wants, whatever decision they make to achieve that goal, as long as that is, then then that's it. Nobody necessarily, there's no benchmark to judge everybody by. There's no one-size-fits-all standard to judge everybody by. Um, you know, while owning your own business can be fulfilling in its own right, it can also be frustrating in its own right. And while building your own um, business and working within an organization context can be fulfilling, it can also be frustrating in its own right, right? Where you own your business, it's never ending. It's a never stopping cycle. You keep working, working, working to get stuff done to fulfill your your goals. Of course, the risks are higher and there's a lot of compromise you have to make, a lot of comfort you have to sacrifice to be successful. And let's, let's not lie, let's not get it twisted. The climb is really hard and really high to attain success, especially in several you know difficult markets like Africa or in Nigeria. The climb is really high and hard, so you need to give it the work it requires. Um, where you do not own the business, at some point, especially when you have the entrepreneurial drive and you have the creativity and the passion to do stuff, sometimes that lack of satisfaction, um, you know, comes to play in you, even it affects your work, right? Because you realize that, oh, I could be doing this job to get paid and to pay my bills and I could be doing this job and I may be a little bit satisfied, but at some point, there's that tendency to feel the need to actually do a little bit more. And that's a downside to, you know, not doing work in the context of your own owned business. Um, and then both have their rewards, right? Where you own the business, you decide on the direction of the business and the direction you think it requires for growth. Um, even though in the long run, how much decision and how much control you have will be, you know, reduced because again, where corporate organization or corporate governance is in place, you have, you know, board of directors and shareholders that have a say in how you run the business, you established. So at that point, you seem to probably be working for the directors and the shareholders. So it's not an ever-ending cycle of, oh, now I own the business, I decide what happens. Unless you want to be doing a one-man show and you don't want to um, establish a formidable and sustainable business, that's when you actually just run the decisions by yourself and the growth will be questionable in that case. So where you have the joy of making the decisions, the most important decisions, at some point... You have to share that decision-making um, burden with the with board members and shareholders. So that also happens. Um, and then there's the joy in seeing your idea come to fruition, your ideas come to life. Especially when you're getting paid for it, like 
you can't take that away and you cannot you know deny the joy that brings um where you do not own the business you see it as an opportunity to leverage on resources to leverage on the connect and the network to you know pivot to where you should be when you eventually decide to to transition so i think those are the main things around you know the downsides the ups and the downs to owning your business and not owning your business there's not necessarily a good or bad option um it's more about what is right for me for my life for my goals at this point in time and that's how i think people should make the decisions about it and people should regard other people where you know that discussion comes to play it's not a one size fits all it's contextual it's individual and it's personal um so i asked myself a question at the beginning of this episode which was why would i want to pursue my own innovative ideas as a founder and you know why would i want to take the risk of living what i have going on now and i think you know thinking through all this i've come to answer that question right i have about five reasons as i asked myself of why i would want to do that and i could share those reasons with you and so the answer would be this so the first thing is I am extremely passionate about the problem I'm trying to solve, right? And guess what? Nobody is solving that problem yet the way I think it will be solved. That's the first reason. I I see a problem. I want to solve that problem. And guess what? Nobody does it that way yet. Now, the problem may be solved, but I may be bringing some creativity to how that problem is being solved in the society and it can change the game. And that is the primary reason why I would pursue my own innovative idea and, you know, my business. Um, secondly, there has to be a demand for the problem that I'm trying to solve, right? There has to be a demand for what I want to sell. So that means I see a potential revenue beyond what I currently earn in pursuing that idea in the long run. So meaning if there's a demand, that means there must be somebody that is willing to pay for what I'm offering. I'm not just not going to quit my job right now and say, oh, because I'm extremely passionate about something, da, 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 da. Then I go and pursue. I'm sorry, but I believe that you have to also be able to figure out if you're this passionate about it, then you need to turn it into a business, which is basically profit and numbers. So there has to be a demand for what you're trying to sell and you need to see the potential for revenue. I mean, along the way, we figure these things out, but you need to see the potential for revenue where you say you pursue your idea without thinking about the money, I strongly disagree with that. You may not necessarily see the revenue now, but then there's a potential for growth in the future, and that is ultimately right. We are running a business. It's no joke, right? The third reason why I would want to pursue that is um, the sense of pride and satisfaction that comes from knowing that I took the risk, you know, irrespective of, you know, the reward, you know, it's, it seems like a bragging, right? So it's given that you need to consider the f- revenue factor here. But then beyond the revenue factor, there's also the sense of satisfaction and pride, seeing that problem solved and knowing that I contributed my quota to seeing this problem solved, right? So that that helps to improve your confidence and your whole morale as a person, right? So another thing is, um, at this point in time, you know, young people are open to taking risks, which I am, 
open to taking risks? Where does the road lead? And decide, okay, why not now? If not now, you have the time, you probably have the luxury. I probably have done some work in the past which justifies why you can take this leap right now. And then that's another reason why. Why not now, if not now, right? And the last thing is, out of curiosity, you may never know the choice of the alternative. You never know the choice of the alternative unless you take it, right? I haven't worked for a number of years in businesses that are not necessarily yours directly. You never know what the cost of, you know, pursuing your own idea is unless you do it so that curiosity in and of itself is enough to drive it to say why don't i try this where does this road lead what could possibly be here and then that curiosity alone now if you satisfy that curiosity and however it goes well that's good enough for you it wasn't like you never tried so that's those are five major reasons why i would actually want to pursue you know you know the idea and the honest truth is this Successful businesses don't happen overnight. So most times we only see the finished product and hear the story of a very successful entrepreneur, right? Guess what? We don't even hear the successes of everybody because if for one successful entrepreneur, imagine the number of failed entrepreneurs that we have, right? For one, you know, um, exemplary worker within an organization imagine the number of failed workers within the organization so we help the successes of entrepreneurs and probably that's what drives many of us to say oh it's a glamorous life out there being an entrepreneur no we don't hear of the blood the sweat and the tears that it took them to wherever they are before we heard of that it's a lot that goes into it so it takes a lot of planning to you know get an idea from the ground and turn it into a profitable business but once it gets done, it can actually be very rewarding financially, um, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, it could be rewarding. And it takes a lot of hard work to get that done. So to round up the conversation, there are four things I would like to say to note and summarize all the points. And um, the first being that um, for creativity and innovation in your career, you need to, you know, figure out what you want. You need to define your goals. What is success to you? What does that look like in the context of your personal life, your goals, your morals, and your values? What exactly it is you want out of life? I think that is the first um, step to def- to understanding, you know, to achieving success with your career, whether with um within your business or outside of your business so the first thing is figure out what you want um the second thing is also i feel you need to explore and be sure before you go into your own um, business right explore um if you have the opportunity spend some time to create within paid employment even when it's not your business right um as a as a as a keynote i think you should make it a point of duty that whatever responsibility and role that you're assigned to within your organization see it as a mini business for you see it, see yourself as a mini ceo of that responsibility innovate that responsibility to the t create it to the core reinvent it like no one does do the task assigned to you the the only way you can someone else should not be able to pick up that responsibility and replicate it the way you've done it i was watching a 
um, video on LinkedIn. It was posted on LinkedIn a couple of weeks back. And, you know, this guy was tying shoelaces. And I think he tied the shoelace about 32 different ways. A tennis shoelace. He tied it about 32 different ways. I mean, I tie my tennises in maybe two different ways. And I stick to one. I just put my feet in it. And every day I just tighten it. And that's all. But he tightened his tennis laces 32 different ways. And the basic point was that you can always adopt creativity into everything you do. You can form a mini business out of everything you do. As long as you don't treat it as an everyday, you know, status quo. So I think it's essential to, if you can, within a paid employment, innovate and create with everything there. But be sure before you launch out into it to try out so many things and figure out what sticks, right? You may want to run your own business, but then you don't necessarily have an idea of what exactly is your thing. So you need to actually be able to try and fail at many things before you figure out, you know, what is your thing and what sticks to you. That way, you know, you have so much experience even with the failed um, opportunities, right? So, uh, I mean, some of us got into what we're finding now. They happened to us, right? And some of us made those conscious decisions and said, this is what I want to do. So whichever one applies to you, try out so many things. Even if you're sure of what you want to do, at times it's necessary to try out the alternative and to try out the other options to be sure that, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I'm sure of this. So you need to do that there. I think it's important. The third thing is also, you will never get things done unless you take this smart leap of faith, right? So I said smart and I said faith, right? It's smart because one, you need to be taking calculated risks. Even though you're sure that this opportunity, the business opportunity is what's best for you, you need to think of is what is best for me at this time can I do it differently or can I, if I do it now, what do I stand to lose against if I do it next year? So you need to think of things in that regard. Think of, you know, the alternative you are foregoing for whatever choice you make right now. The choices you have could be taking on a new job role somewhere and pursuing your entrepreneurial idea. You need to be able to think of it in terms of what is the alternative that I forego if I take up this job role and what's the alternative I forgo if I, you know, pursue my ideas or my dreams? Guess what? It's not always the best, you know, at every point in time to say, oh, pursue your idea, definitely. Because times change. So many factors go into it. So you need to actually be able to, you know, scale your opportunities and know what the cost of each opportunity is. With that, then you can be sure to be making the best decision for you with all the information you have at this time, Right? And then you know when that time is when you need to switch over whatever, you know, whatever point you're in. People switch over from entrepreneurial ideas into, you know, going back into paid employment because, yeah, it was the right time to get that done. And people switch over from paid employment to entrepreneurial ideas because it's the right time to get that done. So you need to know what time, you know, it is to get anything done. Don't be compelled by societal standards of what success looks like or what people are doing now, which is in vogue. Nobody is going to, you know, you know, go through the crap with you if things get really crappy, right? So the last thing, which is the fourth point, is um, which you know, not, not many people like is your exit plan, right? Um, whatever I'm doing, I always think of a worst case scenario. What's the worst case scenario, and how do I get out of this situation? I mean, how do I get out of this bad deal, or how do I get out of this deal good? 
such that I get out of it and I'm still good. I haven't suffered any losses. So you need to think of, always think of an exit plan. When you're going to an organization as, as to start a new job role, I think you need to think of at what point do I need to call it quits here? How many years do I have to spend here? How long do I have to stay here and you know get my work done here? So with your entrepreneurial idea, you need to also set some goals for yourself, which may look like your exit plan. At what point do I need to hire someone to take over this? At what point do I need to decide to decide that this is not working for me? So you need to think of an exit plan. Some people may think, oh, an exit plan means that you're already assuming you're going to fail. Well, not necessarily. I don't believe that. But then I always use the insurance analogy, right? I'm not paying an insurance premium on my car because I hope to get into an accident tomorrow, right? It's just life happens and then you want to be sure that at the point where life is happening to you, you're not making an emotional decision. You already made that decision way ahead of when life is happening, if life happens. So if anything goes down, you already know that, oh, I already decided this months back or years back such that if things go down this way, then this is what I'm going to do. So at that point, it's no longer an emotional decision. It was a well thought out decision that I just you know, bringing out of your bag, the way your insurance works, right? It's not a spiritual matter. It's just hedging your risk, which I think everybody should learn to do, right? So in, in short, and summarily, remember that the goal is not necessarily the title or the money or the status to the society. You know, the goal is what you define as the goal and what is important to you. It's not a one-size-fits-all situation. You need to ask yourself why you want to do what you're doing. And those answers will eventually lead you to the choices that you make in between. Um, I hope this was very helpful for you. And, um, you know, you can always reach out to us at info at witsend.co. And then remember that we're here to help you to survive everyday work life. Not just survive everyday work life, but thrive through the most important years of your life, which are your career legs. So subscribe to Wits & Co. on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Anchor FM, and on TuneIn, and anywhere else you may be listening to us. And I will see you in the next episode.